Hey friends, welcome to Around the Campfire with Amy. It's season two, where I'll be joined by my friend and co-host, Anne. It's no secret, the best stories have always been shared around a campfire. We'll have a conversation with our guests, campfire style, leaving you inspired, encouraged, and glad you pulled up a stump to listen in. So grab your favorite campfire beverage, kick back and relax, and we'll stoke the fire. So I have spent the probably the last, I'd say, eight years learning as much as I could about it. And the most wonderful thing is that we, I've actually turned our life around because, you know, <laughs> we, we had gone through periods like uh, many other people, excuse me, where, you know, the paycheck to paycheck thing or we're both working just to make ends meet with three kids in university. It was quite expensive and mm-hmm. lots of people can relate to that. So, yeah, yeah I just learned so much about it and it has changed our life. Hello and welcome back to the campfire. I'm Anne here with our host, Hey, everybody, it's Amy here, and we are really excited about our guests today. First of all, you're just going to love to just hit play and listen to her voice because she has an accent, <laughs> but so our, our guest today is Colleen Brown, and Colleen and I actually go way back. We've worked together before, and then we both ended up leaving that workplace and pursuing creative options, um, so we're going to talk to Colleen today about her creative path that she has followed. So welcome to the show, Colleen. Hey, Amy. Hey, Anne. Thank you for having me on the show today. So listeners, as you can hear, Colleen has this wonderful accent. She is Australian. So why don't we start there? Colleen, how did you go from Australia to Oklahoma? Well, it's a it's story, but essentially I met my husband, uh, online back in the very early days when it was just computer nerds so nothing (laughs) sorted about that and he was living in Lincoln Nebraska and I was actually I had a ticket to go to Rome and I went we had a real travel agent at that time and I went into her office and said I need to change Rome to Omaha and the girl was actually American living in Australia and she fell out of her chair onto the (laughs) carpet floor and she said no don't do it (laughs) so I actually flew to Omaha and we got married um and then I've been here ever since I've been back to Australia quite a few times but uh yeah that's essentially how we met so it's a love story a love brought you love brought you only love would bring somebody from Australia to Oklahoma let's be honest there you go (laughs) We moved to Oklahoma in 2007, I think it was, yeah. And for my husband's job, he works um, for the federal government. So we moved here and I think I cried all the way from Nebraska <laughs> to Oklahoma down <laughs> I-35 because my our three daughters were still in like college in Nebraska. So we left them all there and it was just, mm. it was so you know, moving, leaving your children. It was all of those things as a, a mom and the empty nest thing hit instantly. And mm-hmm. yeah, it was, it was a lot. So you've stayed. So I just want to know what's your favorite thing about Oklahoma? The people, they really are nice it's and friendly. So, that's it's the only reason so why we're here. 
Yes, <laughs> it's true. I I travel a lot. Um, and, you know, I've been to a lot of, not in the last two and a half years, obviously, but in, in 2019, I, I traveled extensively and I'm sort of grateful that I did considering what happened in 2020. When I come home and I cross, even if I'm driving and I've been to, you know, Florida recently was our most recent trip to Florida. When I cross that border into Oklahoma my heart just is like oh I'm home <laughs> and I've been trying to move anywhere but Oklahoma for a couple of years now and I even bought land in Texas but it's like I can't do it there's just something holding me here and I just know it's the people I just mm -hmm. I I feel at home even though you know essentially I'm many miles from my family in Australia but I've got family here and it is, it's true, you know, um, grow where you're planted. Well, we're happy to have you here. Let me just say. <laughs> you are an artist. Tell us about that journey to recognizing that you had a talent that you might, that you turned into a profession. Well, and I've always, you know, one of those little kids that was always drawing and I did get the ruler over the knuckles at school elementary school and primary school they call it in Australia for drawing in the margins and you know teachers telling me if you don't pay attention you're not going to be succeed and I proved them wrong I feel so that's great okay. Feels so good. <laughs> drawing in the margins and always drawing all the time and you know I love that about my life that I grew up before social media and uh, technology because we had to entertain ourselves. It just makes me sound really old, but it's true. And <laughs> I think, it is true. Yeah. I think you get to develop a lot more of your creative pursuits because how many things that we used to do that people don't even learn now, like knitting and crochet and cooking, you just stuff like that. And so we learned a lot of those things. And so then I loved art. I didn't do a lot of art at high school in my electives, but I did a lot of drawing and painting, cake decorating, anything that was creative when I, you know, in my home hours. Then I went to University of Newcastle in Australia and I went as an art major and it didn't, it wasn't a good fit. I mean, I, I loved the paint and the smell of the art studio, <laughs> but they were trying to push me into a, a a pigeonhole that I didn't feel like I fit into. So I, if you've seen my art, I do a lot of sort of realist, real realism, and um, you know, even loose realism. But you can sort of almost still tell what it was meant to be. So unfortunately, it was that time during the art education uh, where they were trying to make us do a lot of abstraction and it just didn't fit with me. So I actually ended up swapping out of the art program into uh, educational theory. So I went from art to studying how people learn and educational psychology, educational Ooh. psychology. Absolutely that is a loved switch. it. That's a yes. total switch. <laughs> yes. Absolutely loved it. And then in the, it was, I think I was halfway through my fourth year towards my bachelor's and I moved to America. And so you land in Lincoln, Nebraska, and they were like, the only education 
degree we can offer you is teaching. And I was like, well, that's not going to happen because <laughs> I had already been out and done some practice teaching in Australia and it was at high school and that was the end of it. I was like, I don't, I don't want to deal with that. <laughs> so, yeah, then I, um, so I switched to a degree in computer science and that's the thing. It's like, it's not, it doesn't have to be either or you're not a creative and then everything else you know doesn't fit into your life so I have I feel very fortunate to have a creative streak but also the ability to you know code websites and computers and so there's that analytical side of my brain which you know I think that helps my art more than anything else Mm. so that's where That's where I met you, Colleen, was you were our web administrator for a local university that I worked for. And I had no idea she was an artist until one day she was talking about her art. And I was like, what? And so I'm fascinated by the fact that, I mean, I feel like not a lot of people have those two sides. Like, like you said, you can literally code a website (laughs) and then you can paint these beautiful pictures. I mean, that's such a combination of gifts. (laughs) Well, thank you, Amy. But uh, it ties together. Think about the creativity required to make a website, you know, aesthetically pleasing and also functional. So it it was absolutely a blessing to be able to do uh, both of those um, and have that skill set. And it has all come together. you know, there's that saying, you know, master of whatever it is, you know, a jack of all trades is a master, master of none. But there's a second part to it and it's like, you know, better to have many. And I don't remember the thing. I should have written it down, but it's like better to have more skills than only be a master of one. So there's all, people leave off the second half of that. So I was pleased to find out there was a second half to that expression because I always felt a little scattered and that, oh, well, I do art and I do this and I do that. But you know what? It's it's who I am and I, I feel like it's such a huge gift to have that skill set because they do all support one another. Mm-hmm. So you know, having the web and the IT, I have a degree in computer science and then I went on to get an MBA and that's where it leads me into, I knew there was something missing. I had a very successful period when I lived in Nebraska doing my art and lots of sales and I was in galleries and having solo shows and it was just it was just a wonderful time traveling all over the country to different shows so yeah, I really enjoyed that. And meeting people at those openings, that's such a fun thing. I can't wait to get back to doing more of those events. But I realized that to be really successful, you absolutely should have an understanding of, you know, the basics of business. And it from there, learning about running a small business, I have worked with many other, it usually started with a website, but then there was opportunities to help other people in their small businesses um, because I have that gift of wanting to teach and serve others and I think now that I have actually left the IT industry to pursue my art and work on uh, supporting other people in business and that that is I've really found a passion for that. So Colleen was there a particular pain point that led you from the place where you knew you had to tap into 
more of who you are than just an artist to to pursue the business side? Like, was there something that was obvious that you're like, I have to figure this out? Yeah, I could, I guess I can be a little transparent. <laughs> but when you don't want to sit and enter all of your tax stuff into QuickBooks and, you know, so I actually got a, a bit of a workaround on that, you know, taking care of my records for my businesses was always a pain point. I went to the, I got to a point where I was like, I can't do all of the things. You can't wear all of the hats. So I got an accountant and I have a CPA and you have, to, I, what I've done is create a team of people and professionals that can support me in mm. what I want to do. And that frees me up to be able to do the, the fun stuff. So I have a CPA, I have a legal team and they've formed a couple of LLCs for me. Oh, I've got notes here. I've got a photographer and I'm going to drop names so you can edit that out if you don't. <laughs> drop your names. Yeah. So you, I want to give, you know, kudos to my team of people and that's Jim Felder. He's my photographer and he captures high resolution images of all of my artwork so that I can then use my drop ship printer. So I've got the big printers and I used to create all my own prints and then put them on backing board and put them in little cellophane envelopes and ship them off and so time consuming. And so now I have high resolution images I've uploaded to a server for American Molding and that's who I use out of, I think they're in Melbourne, Florida, but I know they're in Florida. I will give Amy and Anne a list of all of the um, websites for the people that I use. Oh, definitely. They yeah, so now I just put the images on my website and if somebody goes there and orders American Molding, puts it on whatever surface they choose and ships it out. And so I, I just I just hear the little cha-ching on Shopify and I'm like, <laughs> yes. So that's, that's really great. And then I have a social media um, company. I worked with Swink Social, Leslie Swink and her team have been wonderful for doing putting together my courses and my um, a lot of my promotional videos, I use uh, Walnut Tree Films. I think that's their name. Let me. Look. I know them by John and Ginny Dorsey, but yeah, Walnut Tree Films, and they're here all here in Oklahoma City. So I try to use all local um, small businesses to support my business. So yeah, I love that. So so you were you were painting. You decide that you need to find help for the business side of things. But then you've gone a step further and you've decided to teach other women about money and finances. And is it investing too? So. Yes. The thing, I didn't grow up in a family where they talked about money. My dad was very old school and you didn't include your children in those conversations. And then I, you know, I went to university and I didn't study finance or money and I got married and I had children and I've moved to another country. And so it, you know, I was a stay-at-home mom for many years. And then I just was never, even though I was the primary person that paid the bills, it was like, that was the extent of it. And I had such a, I mean, learner is my number one, um, what do you call that? Strengths, uh, the strengths strength. finder. Yes, mm -hmm. strengths finder. Learner is my number one. So I, if I don't know the answer to something, I generally want to go and seek it out and learn more about it and master that. So as I mentioned, I 
have an MBA, but I did not learn money management, basic financial education and investing in that MBA program. And not many, when you look around, not many MBA programs actually cover that at the small business level, for example. So how this really came about uh, was through conversations. So conversations with my friends and with, you know, other ladies that I talked to at, you know, organizational gatherings, the just lack of education for women and girls. And I'm sure even young men don't get the education they need in money management and, you know, introduction to investing. So I have spent the probably the last, I'd say, eight years learning as much as I could about it. And the most wonderful thing is that we, I've actually turned our life around because, you know, we, <laughs> we had gone through periods like uh, many other people, excuse me, where, you know, the paycheck to paycheck thing, or we're both working just to make ends meet with three kids in university. It was quite expensive and mm-hmm. lots of people can relate to that. So, yeah, yeah I just <laughs> learned so much about it and it has changed our life. And to the point where I I quit my job last year in November to leave the IT um, field, which actually was very nice, and <laughs> to return to the studio and paint more and promote that. And also now just to serve women and girls. Uh, like I said, I have three daughters and to be able to educate. There's a, there's a real void in that area. Mm-hmm. And that's what became evident just talking to other women you know it's like yeah we didn't grow up knowing that that's true you know in high school I remember I took like it was an elective it wasn't even required but it was called personal finance Mm -hmm. really like that's a life skill with those classes need to be required in high school you know, so everyone can be successful with your money because you're right. And everyone does it differently. I know my parents had a certain way that they talked about and dealt with money. And then my husband and I maybe have a molded, you know, when you get married, you have to mesh that. <laughs> that can be tricky. And so just learning tools and tips is so important. I'm so glad you're doing that. Oh, it's just, it, it has just grown and you know, I just mentioned it once or twice to different people and different friends, and they're like, you need to come and talk to us about that, my group. And and so I've got little, and here I am with you guys, which is such a wonderful opportunity, but I'm putting together a, an online platform, of course, and <laughs> a, a, an online course with those introductory um, topics that will be covered. And yeah. Well, so, got- what, so what are some of the topics that you're going to cover in your course? Oh. Well, introduction to sort of, you know, finance, um, money management. It's money, the the platform will be called the Women's Money Mastery. And I don't have the website up yet. And it's about dealing with your money, not not budgeting so much because I have bought and failed at many of those budgeting platforms. (laughs) (laughs) But there are other ways that you can look at your money and hidden money, um, especially women who, you know, in my 50s, there are women like myself that have money sitting there in old 401ks and old 
IRAs. And so what I've done is take my money and my husband's now out of our 401ks and we've moved it to a self-directed IRA. And so now that money is free for us to invest wherever we want. And while having that freedom sounds really scary, I'm not doing it under without supervision is what I want to say. (laughs) But I've got my own money mentors and I look to them and I ask them questions and I've joined a really great group of other investors and learned from them. So that education is out there and there is just so much out there that we don't even know about. And it's actually intentional. I don't want to say anything too negative. but I'm so intrigued. Well, Banks don't want you to know that you can basically be your own bank. And I actually lend money to other people as a bank. It's not about, it's as an investor. I moved money from my traditional 403B to a self-directed IRA and I have a trustee. It's not like I do this, you know, outside the law or anything. So those funds had to be moved to an equivalent instrument. So now that money sits in our self-directed IRAs and I can direct those funds to investor investments. So I have builders that do new construction homes and several other projects. People that fix and flip homes, they are always looking for private money and that's what I class myself as a private money lender. And so, wow. I can, yeah. So you can direct the funds out of my self-directed IRA and loan that money you get you know there's so many intricacies which I probably shouldn't even go into now but you know you you're not doing it willy-nilly you don't send the money to the person you send it to the entity so they must have an LLC and then I've got a promissory note and first lien position on a mortgage so essentially if they were to not finish that house I own that house so because I've given them the money to you know refurbish the house or whatever they intend to do so, so that go ahead I was gonna say we kind of talked about like you know women aren't necessarily always taught by their families of origin about money mm-hmm. are there other reasons that you think as you know women we're naive to this yes I I try to be careful and not tread on people's toes, but Amy knows that's not my style really. But Okay, so it's changing. It absolutely is changing, thankfully. But when I grew up, if you got married off quite often, the male of the family, the husband, assumed the role of the, um, because I was a stay-at-home mum as well, so there was, you know, the husband was the breadwinner and especially in my family, the father was the, person that paid the bills and made the financial decisions etc and there was I don't know I think it was the same in America as it was in Australia there was a lot of that and you know it just harkens back to years ago where when they didn't even educate the daughters they only educated Mm -hmm. the sons so there was still you know that's a long time ago but it's there's that sort of stuff perpetuated I think throughout um, history and you know women thankfully have decided that they need to be educated in these areas. I think it's not about liberation but it's about education and responsibility. You need to, okay so what I say to my daughters and you can edit this out is um, getting married is not a retirement plan because. I love it. 
Yeah, it's just you have to take financial responsibility for your own life. And when you come together as a married person, um, you should have those discussions before you get married about how you handle money. And I, I would say don't rush into it until you get a good idea of what how the other person in the relationship handles their money because money, as we know, causes huge arguments in families and just, you know, one person might be a spendthrift and the other person is a, a saver. And you've got, you know, while there's some leeway there, um, I think you have to find a way to mesh those two um, money types. So, so whether yeah. you're single or married or starting your career or even looking towards more towards retirement, there's people who don't really know much about their finances other than money comes in, I pay the bills, money goes out. Where's a good place to start? Like if people want to turn that around, where do they start? Okay. So that's a very timely question because what I have started doing in the last several months is, and it's just through conversations and essentially people are scared to talk about money or embarrassed to talk about money. And I will say to people, I, I'm sorry, you know, but I'm going to talk to you about money and be very open about what I'm doing because these conversations need to be shared. And so I've had both men and women, um, quite a few of them come to my house and they have to send me, um, I give them a spreadsheet to fill out and they put all their credit cards and all their debt and all their bills and all their income and we look at it all and I go through it with them. And it's a free service I offer because that's part of my serving others and giving back because I'm now in a nice position that I can do that for other people. And so we go through everything and they're quite horrified when I'm like, yeah, but do you really need that? (laughs) (laughs) You probably need to turn that off, that subscription. There's some of that. That's where I'd start. You have to know where your money is going because how many of us have gone through and just coasted along and we're like oh no my bank account's empty again I just got paid Uh, it's you've got to be accountable and know and to look at how many times you'll eat out in a pay period and how much money you're spending on groceries or entertainment or anything else clothes shoes whatever you're whatever art supplies whatever you think <laughs> so going back to one of the things you said just about women um getting married and then just letting their spouse take care of everything one of my very dear friends lost her spouse young in his mm-hmm. 40s and i've often thought now she was i feel like she was in the know about everything but then i think about my other friends who don't know and don't care. Like they literally have no idea where, how much money they have in the bank account. Mm -hmm. And I think if your spouse passed away, you're in trouble. (laughs) And I, I would never want them to be in that position. I don't want to be in that position. Absolutely. And and so I, I feel like you're really, I mean, that really is a service, especially to women who uh, tend to lean on their spouse to just take care of everything life will not always be like it is. And, you know, crisis is, crisis doesn't tell you when it's about to happen. (laughs) So you Mm -hmm. really, you really need to be prepared. So you're really preparing women to, and, and girls to take care of themselves should something terrible or tragic happen. Or even just to be an equal partner or to be, to partner with instead of giving up 
all care about it, that mm-hmm. I think two heads are better than one, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think those decisions should be made as a couple and not just one person steering the ship and the other person's just going along for the ride. Uh, because sadly, I've seen many friends and relatives end up just how you explained uh, their spouse had untimely passing or divorce, unfortunately. And these people, these women especially, had no idea. Okay, so my mother-in-law had never paid a bill in her life. She was worried that if my father-in-law passed first, she wouldn't know what to do or how to eat. She didn't even know where the checkbook was. So, Man! Yeah, it was it was bad, and she didn't know, and she didn't care, just like you said, mm-hmm. because her life was in her eyes, it was perfect. She mm-hmm. just did what she wanted, and you know, she had a budget, no doubt, and got griped at if she spent too much on quilting material. But <laughs> yeah, she had no idea, and so that was an eye opener to me. I'm like, wow, uh, that's that's a lot. My husband and I. Are we talk about all of the decisions and where we're investing and what we're buying and maybe what we shouldn't buy at the time. So at least we're both on the same page there, which is great. But yeah, I've seen too many of my friends go through unfortunate circumstances and divorces where they had no idea where the money was. And then it was, you know, some attorneys are, a job to find out where the money was and yeah you don't want to be in that position no (laughs) I don't want anyone to be in that position like I said you should have your own savings and I don't I don't think it's dishonest to have a savings account each of you to have your own savings account where the the money that's allocated to that account isn't uh, you don't have to account for what you do with it. And that can be, you know, $100 a month. It could be a portion of your earnings, whatever you agree on. And I think that's healthy because you shouldn't have to. Unfortunately, too many women uh, and men, I'm sure, but too many women are in a position where the money is used as a control mechanism. And I've seen that in my own family. And it's, it's ugly. It's not nice at all. Mm -hmm. So if somebody wanted to um, connect with you and, and have you look over their budget and their funds, are you offering that to anyone? Are you offering that to our listeners? Is that something they could do or? Yes. Yeah. I don't mind. Um, It's basically, I'm, and I'm pretty brutal, so you've <laughs> got to be—you've got to be up for that. Amy knows me. I'm going to be honest with you and just say, "What are you thinking? Why are you doing this?" And if you're not <laughs> open to making a real change, then you're wasting both of our time. So I don't mind helping people at all. I mean, that's something that I've <clears throat> set aside time to do, and. We don't even have to meet face-to-face. We can also do it online. We can have that call on Zoom or we can just do it over the phone. But yeah. What a gift. So where, how can people get in touch with you? How can, Where can people follow you on Instagram? Tell us mm-hmm. all the things and we'll, of course, link to these things. And then also cool. tell us when you think your course will launch and if you know what the price of that would be, what we can expect from that. Sure. Uh, the course is, I've got a target date of early November. 
um, at this point, which is coming very quickly, unfortunately. <laughs> I need to work harder. But it's uh, So that will be launched. And, of course, on social media, on Instagram, it's forward slash Instagram forward slash Colleen Brown Artist. And I think it's the same on Facebook. Colleen Brown Studio on Facebook is probably the, you know, more public account. My website is colleenbrown.com. So it's all pretty similar and that's, you know, that was intentional. So it was easier to find me and I'll give you a list of, and also I can give you my email address and you can share that um, with people. Okay. And what's the title of your course? Women's Money Mastery. So while it's intended for high school and college age girls and even my 10-year-old granddaughter, you know, I talk to them about money all the time and they roll their eyes and run away. So <laughs> They'll thank you one day. I'm sure of it. I hope so. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, Colleen, it has been a delight to have you. And I feel like I've already learned a lot. And I don't know, maybe you need to sit down and help me budget. <laughs> Might <Absolutely>. be calling you. <laughs> I just love what you're doing. I love that you're educating other women and, and you're giving back. And um, that's just, that's inspiring. And I'm thankful that you're doing it. So thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Anne. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for joining us around the campfire this evening. We hope you learned something, not only about our guests, but maybe even about yourself. If you enjoyed our conversation and want to make sure you don't miss our next campfire chat, please hit the subscribe button. Or even better, we'd love for you to drop a review to help others find a place around the campfire. Thanks so much. Until next time.